Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Burris. A lot of Australians have had to rapidly adapt after their businesses were affected by restrictions introduced around the COVID-19. Some businesses were hit particularly hard and lost nearly all of the revenue stream instantly and would have gone bust, but they found ways to pivot, innovate and ultimately survive and then, of course, thrive. One of those businesses was Stage Kings. Now, Stage Kings are a company that builds custom-made stages for events like music festivals, corporate events and sporting events, including things like Ninja Warrior and the Commonwealth Games that were up in the Gold Coast. My guest today is the founder and owner of Stage Kings, Jeremy Fleming, who started the company with his wife, Tabitha, in 2015. When public gatherings became restricted early this year, Stage King lost 95% of their business within 48 hours. So they immediately started thinking of new ways they could adapt their offering and realised with their equipment and expertise, they could produce something in high demand. And that happened to be work-at-home desks and furniture, and all the bibs and bobs that go with that. Overnight, they came up with a design that rapidly expanded into the ISO King furniture range. And in just three months, they have made 10,000 products, growing their range to more than 40 items, including desks and protective screen guards used in shops. I want to ask Jeremy, how did he get over the stress and trauma and the drama of maybe losing his whole business called Stage Kings? And where did he get the idea and how did he pivot himself immediately? And how did he think that he could reuse his equipment and where did the inspiration come from? You know, what was it that drove him to do this? And I'm going to ask Jeremy, did he employ the people that he used to employ? And how do those people feel today about the sort of product that they're putting back into the community, giving to people who are probably without this equipment are going to suffer without being able to get themselves a desk to work from home or the stuff that goes with the desk, like laptop holders and computer holders and footrests and all the stuff that you need to make sure that your home is ergonomically equipped this is a great example of how you pivot. So let's get into it. Jeremy Fleming, welcome to The Mentor, mate. G'day, Mark. Thanks for having me. Now, this is Jeremy Fleming from a business called Stage Kings. And uh, who's in the business with you? So my wife and I, my wife's my business partner and the yep. other director. Uh, so we own the business. Yep. And we've got some pretty key people in there as well. Mick Jessup, our head of production, which we'll talk a lot about him as well. Okay. So I quickly want to know what Stage Kings does. Um, and then I want you to take me back to how you started up Stage Kings. So what does Stage Kings do? We set up Stage Kings to build event structures and stages for uh, for some pretty big, large-scale stuff, uh, stuff like the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games. We we built the set for that. Is that the one that was in Victoria or? Uh, up in, up the, in Queensland. The Queensland Gold Coast, yeah, 20, okay. 2018. Right, so, okay. So that was, wow. that was a big one. Okay, so when you say you build it, I mean, mm. what does that mean? What are you building the set? You're building the stage, actual stage where the Premier gets on, the Prime Minister gets there, or the, the exactly. Queen might do something, I don't know, whoever's doing something. Is that what you do? All those things, yeah. So so the, the parade ground, the parade track, the athletes walked on, we built, that was 5,000 square metres of ply with a, with a vinyl artwork on that. Uh, like you said, the, the, the prince was out. So we, his, his podium and, and those sorts of the, everything that rolled on and off and all, all the set pieces that there was a, a replica of a, uh, lifeguard tower and, and those sorts of things. Yeah. So you, you sort of build the whole theater, the whole set. Yeah. The theater of whatever the event is. Exactly. And that's what we started Stage Kings to do. In the past stages in the country were quite same, same, uh, in our opinion. So we took that more, uh, theatrical look of stages from Europe and, and brought that out here. Firstly, to do music festivals, which, which we also do, but that's led to, to bigger events like the Commonwealth Games, like Shakespeare's Globe Theatre. We've, we've built that whole theatre from the ground up three times now. 
Uh, and and uh, Edinburgh Military Tattoo is another one. I, I saw in the brief uh, Ninja Warrior. We also build the set for Ninja Warrior. That's so right, that, yeah. that's not putting all the the competition trust. things together. You're talking about all the flooring. No, well, we do all the trust for that as well. So it, basically the, the trust parts that the obstacles then hang on, we, we build all of that. So there's nearly 8,000 pieces of trust in that job. Because I was talking project. to uh, the CEO of Channel 9 and uh, he mm. told me that uh, something like 30 million bucks to build the very first set of Ninja Warrior some years yes. ago. And they, they most like those actual things that they sort of swing through the air and all that sort of stuff, all those obstacles, whatever you call they bring those out from America. Well, they bring them in from America. Yeah, that right? that's right. Yeah. That's right. So the obstacle part of it, we we build the truss and everything to support those obstacles. Yeah. The obstacles are in containers in Melbourne at the moment, and they they've got the Australian version. They turn out year on year. Yeah, they they buy them, they store them, and then they re put them back up together. Exactly. When the yeah. event's on, and they usually film that stuff in the summer, as I understand it. So yeah, yeah you, so well, let's take me back a little bit. I mean, mm. uh, how is it that? Uh, Jeremy Fleming knows how to do this sort of stuff. Are you a carpenter? Mm-hmm. What's your deal? So I'm actually a bridge carpenter by trade, which is which is an old trade. Uh, I, I did that down on the south coast of New South Wales. A bridge carpenter. Bridge carpenter. You mean like yeah. building bridges we drive over or Correct. walk over? Correct. Yeah, that's right. So so the heavy timber bridges. It's a, not not it doesn't happen so much now. It's more of a formwork carpenter. But I did mine in heavy timber carpentry. So the the old timber truss bridges, and that's more was more just keeping those uh, those. Fresh, you know the older ones, uh, re- recycling those and refurbishing them. But um, that's a that's an that's old a trade. weird very trade to do. I mean, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> well, what were you? Well, like, how old? I don't know how old you. Maybe you look like you might be in your mid thirties or something. So, how mm. did you think about becoming a Tim? I don't even know they built bridges like uh, like the timber bridges anymore. Anyway, <laughs> well, I'm getting on a mid forty, so I appreciate that to start with. But I uh, I moved down to Bega straight after school, not really knowing what well, I wanted to Sydney, do with myself. I'm, I was actually went to school in Goulburn, uh, Goulburn down right. down between Sydney and Canberra, but. Uh, moved down to Tarthra to Bega uh, straight after Were you school. Were a surfer? Yeah, I was for a little while. Yeah, yeah. yeah down That's that, usually down why people there. went down to Tarthra. It was um, a good spot there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I yeah. surfed down there when I was younger. So, uh, you know, we uh, I went down there straight after school, not really knowing what I wanted to do, and this apprenticeship came up. There? Down in Bega, yeah, correct, yeah. with the Bega bridge crew to travel up and down the coast uh, repairing old bridges and putting in new bridges. and. I thought it sounded like a great thing to do and applied and got it. Yeah, totally it was very cool. good. It was amazing. It was amazing. Met some great people and got some really good uh, good knowledge through that. So. Yeah, you would learn about timber. A lot of heavy timber. Yeah, which, which like is hardwood. Hard yeah, hardwood. That's right. It doesn't, you don't even find it that much anymore. No, you know, no, no. Iron it's barks expensive and, as hell. Yeah, turpentine and iron barks yeah. and those things. But you know, it's, it's funny, you know, the turpentine, um, I remember many, many years ago I was involved in a tender for the uh, refurbishment of the finger wolf here in Woolloomooloo. Oh, yeah. And um, part of the tender was that um, you had to, the tenderer had to guarantee a 100-year life of the pylons that the finger wolf sits on, which is turpentine, and turpentine mm. lasts in the sea for 100 years mm, um, mm. because of the mm. oils, et cetera, that are in the hardwood. Yes. Yeah, I didn't realise that. Things I mean, get into it, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I thought to myself, uh, and, and turpentine is a, is a form of t- as a timber. Mm, absolutely. And yeah. I always just wondered if they get terps from that. I mean, is that where terps comes from? I presume it did. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it is an oily sort of material. Yeah, yeah. And, and nothing likes it. And I have a bit of a love of timber myself, to be honest mm. with you. I mean, I do love things made from timber. It's my, it's my favorite material to, to not for me to work with, but for me to see done, built. Yep. Um, you know, timber walls, timber paneling. Timber furniture, timber floors. Mm. I have a timber house at my farm. It's all timber, um, internally and externally. And uh, timber's a bit of an unsung hero when it comes to uh, materials today because um, people tend to forget about it. But it's actually, funnily enough, when I was growing up, if you lived in a timber house, you were yeah. poor. Today, if you live in a timber house, you're rich yeah. because it costs so much. <laughs> yeah, is that right? right? Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. know, and, and, and there is a difference between hard timbers and soft timbers. Um, you know, mm. they're usually soft timbers for inside and for uh, – supporting the walls inside Japan mm. with the jip rock on and stuff like that and windows mm. that are made out of western red cedar. Mm, that's and right. then the externals are made out of things like Murbau and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Is that, is that am I right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice hard yeah. timbers. And, Beautiful. Uh, and they last Beautiful. forever. They last forever. They look good. Yeah, there's a warmth about them. It's, uh, totally. It's an, it's an amazing product. But they're so yeah. expensive. It's getting that way, yeah. Is, yeah. is it because yeah. – hard, Hardwoods in particular. Are is that right? Ex- extremely expensive. So does, does Australia have a lot of good hardwoods? Do we grow we it naturally? Have, yeah, we did have. Uh, and uh, the, it, even recycled hardwood now is really expensive to come across. So uh, the old bridges that we used to, we used to maintain and, and they used to build, a lot of those are gone now, which is quite sad. But 
that hardwood out of those bridges, it's a cost of fortune to buy that. Yeah, I know people actually thing. go around trying to salvage that stuff. Salvage it and yeah. recycle it. And they yeah, recycle, yeah. they sell it for a lot of money. They Massive. make big bucks out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Or everybody wants to have something like that as a beam in their house. That's or, right, it's a feature. Yeah, yeah make yeah. some sort of yeah. table out of it or something, I don't know, whatever, try and make something <laughs> out of it. It's, it's pretty cool. So and hardwood in Australia, I, I, I didn't know we had a lot of hardwoods. I know we've got mm. lots of soft timbers, but... I didn't realize we had a lot of hardwoods. And, well, that's just a cool thing that you, uh, as a young boy, you know, you, when you're a teenager, you're a young yeah, boy was, doing yeah, apprenticeship. Yeah, 17. Yeah, yeah. You, you're actually working on these hardwoods, which are, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't claim to be a handyman, but, I mean, I, I, the other day I tried to I drill some screws into a hardwood without having first pre-drilled the oh, hole. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, it's so hard. Yeah, that, that's why it's called it's hardwood. It's like steel. Yeah, it's like yeah, steel. Absolutely. It really is. Absolutely. The was, older it is, the harder it gets. I put all my pressure on it. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. Like, it was killing me. So, are you a... You're a Bridge carpenter. Yes, it's a it's a it's a dying trade. I've never ever met a bridge carpenter, so this is great. <laughs> I mean, I guess bridge carpentry has to include a lot of um, engineering, a huge amount. Yeah, yeah because yeah. you know you have to make sure that mm. things going to fall down. Like it's gonna, might have to take a truck or a train or yeah, people at the minimum, and it yeah. usually spans over something or other. And, and off the back of that, I can see how you then sort sort of start to understand. How you build stages. Correct, yeah. So scaffolding. Is that, is that, is that that's how it ex- works? That's exactly how it progressed. So, yeah. so part of those bridges was always scaffolding them. And so we'd be scaffolding under bridges and hanging scaffolds off them and, uh, and, and doing access. And that, that led to me switching to scaffold, uh, which then- Like steel scaffolding? Steel scaffold, yeah. So it's standard sort of uh, construction scaffold. Yeah. Uh, and I then uh, moved to Germany. Uh, and I actually then worked for the company that manufactures the, the best scaffold in the world, Layer. Uh, in Germany, and that's where they, they, I, I then worked for them and sold a lot of that scaffold to staging companies, and that sort of then was the next step ah. was for me to start my own company. So the staging companies in Europe at the time? Uh, in Europe and then back here in New Zealand and then back in Australia. So so that that company, Layer, they actually do the scaffolding they here? Fa- they manufacture the scaffold yeah. itself. And you were, yeah. you were a rep here for them or something? Yeah, I was a sales manager here for a while. So Okay, yeah. and so yeah. you started selling to... Um, staging businesses who are yeah. buying the stuff off you, but how did you then become the staging guy? So I was selling a lot of stuff to the staging businesses and, and like, like I mentioned, a lot of this, it all looked the same to me and, and having lived in Germany for a couple of years, I saw the way that the Europeans were doing these these massive, uh, you know, really theatrical decorated Yeah, Rieu and Tomorrowland, the festivals and, and things like that. And uh, that made me think uh, Australia could do with something like this and um, – so you know what I get in my mind when you say that? Like I, I started thinking of a Trojan horse. I can imagine this dude. <laughs> I can imagine you sort of putting together the scaffolding, build a Trojan horse, and marching in somewhere in some in some sort of like um, you know uh, a theatrical version of uh, you know um, Helen of Troy or something like that yeah, in yeah. a theatre sense. Wow, those sorts of set pieces. That's the kind of stuff that we that we like to do yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, we build lions for some music festivals. They're thirty meter tall lions and robots and dragons and. Yeah, never a Trojan horse yet, but you never know. I guess that requires a fair bit of um, creativity. I mean, how yes. does it work? Just like so, yeah. let's say let's say I'm doing a, a version of Helen of Troy, and we mm-hmm. need the Trojan horse to go into the fort there. And um, do I just hand it up, give you the idea, and you run off and design it for me? Generally, that's how it works. There's quite a bit of conversation with the clients. They say we, we've got this idea to do a, a, a giant stage um, with with some sort of theme in mind, like a, the Helen of Troy, let's say, and. And then we've got some artists that will sketch up a couple of ideas, uh, maybe a couple of different horses, and we'll say, yeah, what do you prefer? And then we sort of run with one of those. And you do the engineering? It. We, we work in with a couple of engineer, yep. the engineers, we, but we manage to manage all of that. So you project manage the whole thing the whole from thing, beginning yeah. to end. So you, you, you supply, you install. Design, fabricate, supply, And install, you pull it out as well. And then, and then move it all on. So, so we own all of the scaffold and then we'll make the set specific to whatever we're Right, doing. okay, that's yeah. cool. And uh, It's a very interesting and, job. Totally. Yeah. And how long were you doing that for? So Stage Kings has been running for five years. Yeah. Uh, so we started that 2015 um, and very quickly got a good reputation. We did the NRL Nation uh, a couple of years after we started only down at Darling Harbour mm-hmm. there, very big set for that. Uh, that was one of our first big projects. And soon, it wasn't long after that we got Pop Up Globe and then, then opening ceremony for the Commonwealth Games. So that was only, we were only three years old when we did the opening ceremony. But how do you get it? You just sort of, does someone come and tap you on the shoulder or you have to tender? Yeah, we had to tender and, and we, luckily we got some, uh, some great projects early on that got runs on the board and then people mm-hmm. saw what we did and uh, we got a lot of respect for that and uh, we, we, uh, we managed to pick up some 
projects that I, I at the time I thought we're, we're, we're too young to take these sorts of projects on, but we did it and nailed it and, yeah. I mean, it's sort moving. of a bit, a bit mind-blowing I mean, when, I, when I think about it, mm. especially if you're a young person because all of a sudden you think, shit, we, we're on demand here, we're going to have to put on 10 more people to get this thing done. Mm. I'm going to pick up the costs. And I, and I presume, I mean, like it must be so stressful for the night opening night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, is this going to fall down? Is something going to well, fall through a crack or is the thing going to collapse? <laughs> or, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to think about. Weather is always a big a big consideration. So, so do you uh, have to build like weatherproof? Is that what yeah, you mean? Well, yeah. So we engineer everything to these one in a hundred year storms. Oh, and, really? Yeah. It's it's the amount of engineering into these structures is massive. So that, that way, that's the only way we can sleep at night. You know? Yeah. So so it's, it's sort of over engineered, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. It must cost them a bomb. There, there's a lot of cost in some of them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It costs yeah. you a bomb to build it. Well, that's right. And like you mentioned, we need to ramp up. And, and so being a, an event company, summers are very busy, whereas winters are a little slower. So so we, we ramp up throughout summer oh, and our right. numbers go up and down. And so we use a lot of freelance guys and casuals to boost that crew when we need it. Would you say that you're uh, in staging your reputation sort of precedes you in some respects today? I mean, that everybody, if, they were, if they're going to pick the top three people to build a stage, you're going to be on the shopping list? We'd certainly be up there, yeah. Yeah, yeah we would, particularly for those uh, themed stages. Anything with decoration and a set involved, there's, there's probably four big companies in the, in the country and we're the biggest for that theming sort of uh, market. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, 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 we've got a very good reputation now. And is your mum or dad involved in this deal? I mean, how, I mean like, how, how, why? Like, oh, no, it's <laughs> mind-boggling. Your parents, uh, were they uh, entrepreneurs or um, business people? What, what was their story? They were very hard workers. Uh, my mum and mum and stepdad. They they the the big thing for them was always just work work as hard as you can and uh, and and become the best you can at what you're doing. And so they uh, they installed a really good uh, work ethic in me. My grandfather has had a big part to do with the business and developing the business. Oh, so really? he's a, he's an entrepreneur and he's he's worked uh, he, he works for ABB actually in Southeast Asia. What's and ABB? A Sea Brown Bavaria, big electrical engineering company. And so he's he's half his time between China and Australia oh, and working still. on work still yeah. to this day, yeah. Uh, and so he's uh, he works on in nuclear power and a very clever guy. And for for a mid seventy year old now, he uh, he knows a hell of a lot more about dance parties than most grandfathers do. You know, he's a he came to Amsterdam with me to look at these stages early days and had a lot to do with me taking the steps. See, because people would be saying, you know, like uh, at a fairly tender age in your late thirties before mm. you started, just as you were starting this business off and mm-hmm. tendering for these massive projects, big risk. Mm. Someone needs to sort of inspire you yeah. in these environments. Someone yeah. needs to say, come on, mate, you can do this. I, I've always lent on my grandfather. So yeah. I, I'll always uh, jump on the phone to Bruce and say, yeah, what do you, what do you think? And you know, he'll, he'll say, Dumb idea, or you know, or, yeah, really? or, or yeah, go he'll for it. You straight you know, up, he'll yeah. tell me straight, and he always has told me really straight. So, uh, where where my parents will back me a hundred percent, even if I'm you know or whatever I'm going to do, he'll tell me straight up, dumb idea. And uh, so it, it's always good to get his uh, his support. Uh, I know that it's probably a good chance. And 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 how was it? Your wife got involved? Yeah. So she, my wife, worked in the record industry for thirty years or twenty eight years. I just she'll record hate me, industry. She'll hate me saying in, thirty. Uh, Universal Music. She worked for oh, Sony she'll Music. Saying records, music. she must have been there for a while. Selling records. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. So she's uh, she's been involved in that industry for a long time. Uh, we started Stage Kings together. She was still working in the industry in the record industry. Uh, and yeah. when I first started Stage Kings, I had a couple of uh, Dutch partners. And uh, after a year, what mates met when you were over some, in Europe? Some people I met over in Europe. Some yeah. very good staging guys from over there. After a year, they had a few uh, issues within their own companies, and it was best that we all split apart. So we did that, and that's when Tabitha came into the business full time and and has helped me. And what does she do? So she runs all the back end. She, yeah, she's yeah. a CFO. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, she she makes sure that every, all the bills get paid, and we get paid all of our bills. She's, she looks after the back of house sort of all stuff. All the back house, yeah, yeah exactly. which is um, pretty very important. It's very important. How many people would you have working for you, like at a peak? At least, let's say we're, we're in the middle of the season, that's the summer season, your busy season. Yep. All up. You know, like we've got to get a big stage up and we've got to maintain it for 10 weeks. Let's say you're building a thing down here at Circular Key for St. George Bank or something mm-hmm, like that. Sure. I mean, how many people would you have on during that period? So the height of summer when we've got multiple shows on, on a, a, each weekend, we could have 80 people working for us. Uh, so we've got a smaller team of core full-time staff, 12 staff full-time, and the rest of uh, freelance. Yeah, uh, you bring we, them we when ramp you need up. So, but, but when the Commonwealth Games is on, we had 60 guys working up there for six months. So we ramp it up as necessary, yeah. But, but around 80 is sort of a peak 
through summer. Yeah. So I guess the obvious question, the elephant in the room is, what the fuck are you doing now? Because uh, COVID's <laughs> probably stopped their business because I don't think you'd be going to any sort of functions at the moment. No one's holding staging events. Exactly. So Friday the 13th of March, we uh, the Prime Minister put Literally the Literally Friday the 13th of March. It was Friday the 13th, yeah. So that's so a that's real. Stick, in, stick in the mind. We, we were down in Melbourne building a set piece for the Formula Ones. Uh, yeah. We had a giant set piece down there for Miley Cyrus and Robbie Williams and Ninja Warrior set. And ScoMo uh, said we no more gatherings of over 500 people and that, uh, the, as, as you probably know, the gates were about to open at the Formula mm. Ones and they shut it down. So that I hope was, you got paid. Well, yeah, yeah, we did, we did. <laughs> luckily, uh, luckily for that. But we then, that, that put an end to it. We, so we, you, we so, and what did you do with all your people though? Because, I mean, they would never qualify because a lot of them were casuals, I guess. Correct. So we had a few guys working at the at Ninja Warrior and, and the rest there. We had 23 at the time. So we were coming into winter where it slows up. We had 23 staff. Uh, Friday the 13th through to, through to Friday the 20th, we lost 98% of our upcoming work. So millions of dollars worth of work. People just cancelled. People just cancelled. Phone call after phone call. And, and it literally was. One call after another, the event's not How'd going you feel? ahead. I, I felt sick to the stomach. I, 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 Tab and I would sit at home saying there's a very real chance we could lose the house. Uh, we thought we were going to have to move up with my parents in Harvey Bay. Uh, we, we really thought we were going to lose it all. And, and look, look, yeah. I just need to, just want to dwell on that for a second because, yeah. I mean, I, I remember when it all happened too and, and mm. funny, I look back now and somehow I've managed to, um, I wouldn't say pivot, but I've managed to sort of survive and, you know, lots of things I've done to um, get through it all and, but at the time, I thought, yep. what am I going to do? Like, what is it? Is this the end of the world? It felt I, like it. I, I literally thought that's the end of my world. Like, and, yeah. uh, and you know, property, mortgages, uh, you know. I, I used to do a lot of things where I have, you know, 5,000 people come to an event. I do, I do yeah. I haven't done one of those. I haven't done one of those no. for, for, since late, late February. Um, and we were planning to, so we had to kill all our plans. Um, so I, I guess what you all got to do are people sort of cancelling um, the jobs. You can't really pursue them because... There's nothing to do. No, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, they, they've lost everything as well. Yeah, they, they're out. Um, yeah. You're putting people off left, right and centre. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty heartbreaking thing to do. It was. H- yeah. How did you deal with, like, how does you and Tabitha deal with that? I mean, what did you do at night? Did you talk, come and talk about that? Did you talk it through or? Yeah, we do, yeah. And personally, it was really difficult. It, it, um, we, we had made the decision we were going to have to let everyone go. So we, we planned that Mick and I would do a couple of days a week. Mick's your senior mix guy. Our, mix our senior guy. We'd do a couple of days a week tidying up just to keep keep the wheels ticking over because there, there was literally nothing to do. But do you sit there thinking it's going to come back so we'll just we'll just keep everything moving on for, and this will all end in June and we'll be back up running? We did think that, but then those events started cancelling as well. Yeah. That was only within a week or two. We had the Easter show. We thought there's no way they'll cancel the Easter show. Then they cancelled the Easter show and then Vivid and they cancelled Vivid and it was, it was literally all these events up until the end. We thought this might go until – Next year, the yeah. end of the year. So we really had no choice. We, we, we had no income. We had to call up all our finance companies. We got a lot of equipment, some equipment finance, and ask if we can hold off repayments there and talk to our landlord about reducing rent. And uh, so we, these are all calls we had to make within a week, and it all happened within a week. You had to talk to your accountant, I guess, because you had to go and register for uh, JobKeeper for your, the staff. That yeah, you well, that was, this was even pre-JobKeeper. But, right. but we talked to the accountant and said, yeah, we got no money, we're going to have to work through this. But... So we, um, yeah, we, we, we calculated we could probably last four months on reduced, reduced hours and reduced labour and, and with re- some reduced repayments. We could last four months, which was up about a month ago. So like, uh, but out of all this was born something else. Yeah. What is it called? Just tell me the name. So we, we called it ISO King. I love When I saw it in the brief, I love that name, ISO King. I thought, my God, that is so good. <laughs> Stage <laughs> King to ISO King. And yeah. just tell me, what's ISO King do? So we come up with solutions now for working from home and for, for anyone around the home that needs a flat pack furniture solution. Uh, so we started off with work from home desks and work from home office furniture. And at the time there was none available. So it's, uh, our story struck a chord with people and we've sold a lot of desks. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to go to the break. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the art of pivot. So we'll go to the break and we'll come back. Okay, I'm back here with Jeremy Fleming. Used to be known as Stage King, is now called ISO King. First, tell me about when did the idea drop in your mind mm. into, into Tabitha's mind and maybe your manager's yeah, mind? Yeah, yeah. How did it all work? So we, like I mentioned, we were in Melbourne. Uh, the public gathering ban was put in place. 
we Mick and I started to think pretty quickly what we could still do. How long? How long did it take you to say? Because you, you first got you're taking calls about cancellations, mm. you're putting people off, you're thinking about JobKeeper, you're trying to think about ringing your bank so you could give me a holiday, blah, blah, blah. Mm. How long did that go on? And then you thought, so hang on, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Start thinking about something we, we can do. We need to do something. Uh, we started that Friday, that same Friday afternoon. Really? Monday, Friday, Friday f- morning, Friday afternoon, we started to think about, because we'd seen a few things they'd been doing overseas, you know, these uh, temporary waiting facilities for hospitals and pop-up testing facilities in car parks of uh, shopping centres and things like that. So we, we, we started it and we actually, by, by Monday or Tuesday, we had plans for those and we, I sent it out to our uh, mayor down in the Sutherland Shire, uh, sent it out to, to him and to all these hospitals and uh, n- none of that got traction. And this, this was only within days, Wednesday, Thursday. The Friday, as I mentioned, we, we had to tell everyone to leave their keys and take their tools because there was no work uh, and that we'll be in touch as soon as something happens. And so that was only one week. And then on, on the Sunday, after letting everyone go on Friday, I was talking to a, another friend in Europe uh, who's got a production company similar to us, and he mentioned that he was going to start making some desks uh, and some furniture, and, and that's what flicked a switch. And, and I got straight on the texting Mick and said, Mick, we need to make desks. So how did you, did you know that, because it took me a while the to, demand, did you know the demand would we, come for home desks? I, we, we knew. As soon as he, as soon as he said it, I'd, I, only days prior, we'd heard that there was no desks available at office work. But did you know people were going to be working from home? Because, I mean, it took me a couple of weeks to work out in my business that everyone's going to start working from home. It was pretty much that Friday, the 20th, that people were told, if you could work from home, work from home. So right. we, we were seeing whole industries of people starting to be at home and, and we were hearing there was no desks available at office works and Ikea and all, all the big names had none. Uh, fantastic furniture, had a 28-week lead on, on furniture because it had to come from China. You know, so we... Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As soon as I mentioned that to Mick, 11 a.m. Sunday, we were looking at the messages again the other day, 11 a.m. Sunday, so we, we need to make furniture. And Mick, a very lucky coincidence for us, Mick designs furniture as a hobby. Right. And he's made his, he's designed and made his own furniture in his house. And, and um, this, this idea came to make all tool-free furniture. So flat pack. What's tool-free mean? So you don't need any Allen keys, no, no hammers. No, it's just you, you, the you, purchaser. You, the purchaser. It arrives to you flat-packed. And you can put it together within 30 or 40 seconds. And so this was a key for us. With, with people having to work from home in, in apartments and things, they can put a desk up in the morning and pack it away at night, slip it under a bed or behind a couch or something. And, and that, was our, that was the plan. And Mick designed that up Sunday afternoon and he 3D printed a couple of little prototypes of these two desks, a normal desk and a stand-up desk. And he brought them in. We, we met on Monday like morning. Like miniature sizes? Little tiny ones, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, they worked as we planned and... And uh, so Monday we went door knocking a couple of kitchen shops down around the Shire to try and find a couple of sheets of birch ply so that we could cut these desks. And we got a couple and we cut them. And Monday night, so we're B2B to B, predominantly up until now, Monday night Tab had to write an e-commerce site so we could sell these things. She watched some YouTube tutorials and learned how to do that and, uh, and, and did, that, did that. And then Tuesday morning we took some photos, we set them up in our house, took some photos. And by 3 p.m. Tuesday... We were live and on sale, and by that afternoon we'd sold twenty or thirty desks. And I'm just looking at something here. This is this is a, um, a laptop holder. So it's a laptop stand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So as you say, there's uh, there's no nails or screws. It's, no, it all just hooks into each other. It's sort of um, yeah, yep, tool free. Yeah, it, uh, so. It's all in the tolerances in the in the cutting, and uh, they're all all solid. And, uh, and this is birch. It's all birch ply, yeah. 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 So we don't grow birch in Australia, so it all comes no, from overseas. It's all it? Russian. Yeah, all yeah. Russian birch. And and the thing it's we like about it's a beautiful timber. It's a beautiful timber. And what we liked about it is it's a su- sustainable timber. So it actually feels quite 
nice to touch, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm quite tactile with things like this, but uh, mm. is that part of the theme? It, it really is. And and everything we're doing is raw, so it goes out like that. And, and people can paint it or whatever if they, if they want or coat it. But 98% of people leave it raw because of that feel. Yep. Yeah, and it's, it's a nice colour. It's an unusual colour. It's not a colour we're used to in Australia because uh, we, we don't have birch. But mm. um, And I can see the woodworking is, or the, the, the workmanship in it. Um, mm. Who, who makes it? Do you manufacture it here yourselves or do you get it done somewhere else? So that's the thing. We are manufacturing it all in our Kernel workshop. So we've turned a workshop that was storing truss and scaffold. We've had to move a lot of that out and put it in containers and in storage and, and we're now doing it all in-house. In so we've got a CNC router. Yep. Uh, we cut it all ourselves. And one of the things we, we said early days was that if, we, if we're going to do any good out of this, we wanted to support the industry. Yeah? The event industry was hit early and, and hard. Uh, and so we've, we've reached out and, and we've brought back our crew as well as out-of-work event crew. So we've now got 70 new staff on our books, uh, sanding and packaging and delivering uh, all this furniture. That's interesting because so what you've done, you just did, and you just broke up into the various parts, the uh, the business of yep. manufacturing and sell- distributing it. So as you said, it requires delivery. You need to have you need to buy vans out or hire vans or lease vans. Um, you need to have people to pack it. Mm. You need to have people to um, use the machinery, um, as you say. Uh, you need to have someone to design it. Yep. And then you need someone to uh, administer the whole business. You've got administration, you've got mm. someone paying the wages, you've got someone uh, collecting the money, the debtors, and sending out the invoices. So it, all of a sudden it's a business. Yeah. But, and what you did, what, what which you, you just said, is you used some of the old equipment that you used to use for your staging. Correct. You, you just repurposed it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We didn't have to go out and buy a lot of machinery. We had the CNC routers yeah. uh, to, to cut the ply. Uh, we had Mick as, as our head of production. He was doing the furniture designs. Uh, we pulled back our set builders who, who know timber and know how it all works. So we just repurposed everything we had to, to now make furniture. Okay. Who was it though that worked out what the market wanted? I mean, how did you, I mean, yep. you have the ability to execute, get mm. it. Mm. And, and I think that's a great example of pivoting. But someone had to work out what the market was and, you know, your employees don't necessarily know what mm. the market wants. They can execute. Someone had to sit down there and say, okay, and this is what the market wants. Who yeah. did the research? Who, who worked that out? So the way we did that was to ask them. So what we did, we, I put out an open letter when we first did it. I, I said, this is, we're changing our why for now. We, needed to, we need to do something to stay alive and we're going to do this and, and we hope you support it. And, and the, that first post that I did with that open letter reached a million people within just over a week. So what, what, what platform you put this on? That was on uh, Facebook and Instagram. So, so you have, you have yeah. a, a big audience on Facebook and we Instagram? We didn't. We didn't have a big audience. But, but since we've grown quite a, quite a decent audience, we're over 15,000 people or so following us now, and, and our posts are still reaching over 250,000 people every week. So what we've done is we've created this kind of community-led innovation where we're asking people what it is they need and what their, what their issues are, and they come back and say, oh, we, we could do with, we, we need a shoe rack that we can sit on, or we need a, a puzzle board that's not going to hurt our backs, or you know, all these different things. And stand-up desk. Stand-up desk, and, and yeah, that's right. I the, made a stand-up desk myself. Oh, well done. <laughs> it's shit house, but I made it. Um, I bought all the parts, all the bits of timber from Bunnings, and uh, my dad's got a, um, a saw, an electric saw, so I went over to his place, and dad, dad and I cut it together. But I put it together myself at home, um, only because... You don't want to be sitting down. One That's of the right. worst things about this pandemic is if you're spending time at home is mm. actually sitting there with your laptop. Sitting there all day. Hunched over. Mm. And you want to be able to stand up and straighten your back up. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm made, I haven't painted it yet. I haven't got around to painting it. But <laughs> I did it like early doors, like yeah. probably in April. Yeah, um, yeah. So, well, the, the stand-up desk has been one of our is one it? of our biggest moving pieces I because, because just, of that reason. You, you'll have a much nicer one than me. Or maybe I should check, check it out. <laughs> so that so that's what we did. We we went we go to the people every week. We say if if there's something you guys need, let us know, and uh, and we'll develop it. And and that's how that's how our product range has grown. And it's grown from those first two desks to over forty products now. So can you give me a bit of an example of the products? What, what we're talking so about? The, some of the biggest sellers are, are shoe racks. Someone mentioned that they needed a shoe rack. Now, why and would that become something in demand during this period? Was it just something people, because they spend more time at home, they've got yep. shoes everywhere? That's right. And I How just thought of it, this up? I just thought to myself, I need one. <laughs> and because people are at home more, they're cleaning up their joint. That's it. People are spending time on getting their place looking better. And I think shoe rack was, a, was the first one. And we designed a, a shoe rack, and uh, before we prototyped it, Mick and I were looking at it and said, yeah, we should put a seat on this. And so we put a seat on it. And so it's a so shoe you rack put with it outside a seat. the wardrobe. You put it outside the wardrobe, sit on it and put your shoes on and off. And, and we put it to the people. And, and 
hundreds of people said they wanted it, and we sold 500 of them in a couple of days. Have you got just like a normal sugar? I got just stick in my water. Normal one as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. Yep, I, I can, yep. I'll be going on to your yep. website and checking that out. And uh, <laughs> that's okay. Shoe racks. Give me some other examples. So we're, in the lead up to Father's Day, we've been working on guitar racks, uh, which are selling really well. It's funny you should say that because I got a mate of mine. You know what? He's a boxer. Yeah. Right. He's a boxing coach, and uh, he's the guy who holds the pads up ah. for a lot of very well-known Australian boxers and, and, and used to be US boxers where he's a, what I call, you call a pads man, okay? But he, during the corona period, he, he lives up at Avoca and during the corona period, he couldn't come back down, couldn't come to Sydney, he wasn't able to drive that distance because you couldn't drive that far and he, he has an Instagram page and I follow him and you wouldn't believe it, every second day I saw him there playing the guitar. I don't even know he played the guitar. Now I see him playing the guitar, the dude. And he's, he's got himself a bandana and he does a Spanish guitar, you know, and he loves Spanish yeah, music. yeah, yeah. Like it was a talent I didn't even know he had, but now I know he. And as soon as you said that, I thought of uh, Basil. He he would love yeah. a, a, guitar a guitar stand. Yeah, that's I should, it. Uh, somewhere I wonder where he puts his guitar. People you wouldn't even expect. Uh, yeah, yeah, buying yeah, these totally. guitar racks. Yeah, and vinyl crates. So so many people got so much vinyl records laying around. We we created this vinyl crate, and we're selling hundreds of them as yeah, well. Because people, because so. you know, you put, when you're in work in the work environment, mm. you can't listen to music. You just got to listen to the droning of all the people around you. Um, <laughs> when you're at home, you can put your record on. Yeah, and I mean, some people can work to that. Work to music. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and one of the other ones, the puzzle board I mentioned. So we, we made this puzzle board that is ergonomic, so you don't have to lean over the table. We People were saying, oh, we're getting sore backs from doing puzzles. Well, the Prime so Minister, we, he's that, mentioned the, it. Yeah, the PM yeah. has been talking about doing puzzles with yeah. his two daughters. He bought one the other day. Did he? he just, <laughs> did he really? Yeah, yeah, he did. He lives out your way. He's, he does, he's yeah. your local member. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we, so we made this puzzle board and, and it, it went gangbusters. So the other thing we thought of was we we'll Is it on an angle or something? It's on an angle, yeah. So you don't have to lean over. You yeah, yeah. That's cool. And, and, but, but it's not on such an angle that the puzzles will fall out. They'll fall out. No, yeah. it's, and it's got a border so you can sit it against the bottom. So we, the other thing we've done actually is we've, do, we, we've given away a bunch of those to aged care facilities. And so we've got we've got people involved with that to to nominate an aged care facility. It helps and, build and, your socials up too. Yeah, that's right. It's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And paying yeah. it forward. Yeah. But, uh, and, and any big things that you built? So the bigger things, the bigger things yeah, is yeah. we've uh, well one of the things that we more people than anything else had asked for is a cat tower, which I a, didn't, a cat tower, which I didn't understand. But apparently, there's a lot of people out there that love cat towers, and and so we built this cat tower. Uh, and and it's it's quite significant. What is a cat tower? Like for just cats for, to just climb for up. cats to climb up and sit up high and and look at what's going on. Oh, really, so thousands of people asked us for cat towers. No, honest. Yeah, it was it blew me away. And and so we made a cat tower and we're we're selling cat towers now. So that's one thing. The the bigger things we're making is we, we've done uh, we're doing a collaboration now as well with an early learning uh, provider of early learning uh, tools and 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 uh, toys for for kids. Preschool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we made these, these uh, we call it a giant light bright with, with Mud Kitchen to do that. And so that's a, that's quite a big piece uh, and a significant investment. What is that? What is that? Though? So it's, it's, a, it's an LED light in behind a sheet of black acrylic and you put coloured pegs in that and the kids can make, it's like pixel art for kids. Right, right. And, and so those sort of uh, activities for early learning and for uh, kids with, with Asperger's and that sort of thing. They, they all love that sort oh, of Oh, really? Thing. Yeah, so we, we're developing that pr- product line as well. But that's like a sort of a, a sidelight or a sideshow. Yeah, that's right. It's relative kind of, to the rest of the things you're doing. Correct, in yeah, that's right. that's and right. And yeah. just let's go back to the basic thing for a moment, the thing mm. that you sell the most of is probably desks, is desks. it? Still desks, yeah. 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 So just quickly describe what what is it about your desk that, um, mm. I mean, apart from the fact that no one could got, had stock of desks when all of a sudden everybody wanted them. Yep. What is it about your desks? A, you can supply, but why is it you're able to supply? You can, you can build them quickly, then build them relatively cheaply. I guess there's a price involved here, so yeah. a, a, a good price. That's right. It's a good price. We, we build them quickly. We actually hold stock now. So the key for me was to get them out very quickly. I wanted people to order and then get them the next day or, or, or dispatch the next day. That was key. Uh, so we, we pushed very hard to get our stock levels up of those. But the thing with the desk is it's four pieces. And it goes together in 30 seconds. So quite literally, you can pull it out from under your couch or behind your bed or whatever and, and put it up in 30 seconds in the morning and then put it away again at night. So for people that don't have a lot of space, it's a really good solution. And is it a, like a stand-up or a sit-down? Both. We do a stand-up and a sit-down desk. It, yeah. it, the, the same one doesn't do both. It's no, you, you, not you, the same You one choose to do one or the other? Right, one or the other. And, yeah. and I guess which, which means they need a chair as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And do you... Yeah. Do you we don't do the chairs. Don't do the no, chairs. No, we don't do the chairs. The chairs are yeah. We, we do foot st- foot rests and things so that people can get it set up ergonomically and you know, monitor stands and laptop stands now and uh, so many so many different things. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I mean, I often wonder about the people who might like. I've got uh, 
In the Yellow Brick Road business, we have about 196 people who in the head office here mm. and um, in Sydney, and um, they're all working from home now. Um, yeah. And I often wondered about, did they have desks? I mean, how is it they're working from home? Where they're working from the kitchen table? Or, I mean, and that's a, that's a punish. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. People are sending us photos of them working off the floor, laying yeah, on lounge room floors. That's, that's a pain in the ass too, or off the, you know, the t- table you drink coffee yeah. off or in front of the Sitting television. Sitting on the couch in front of the television. Yeah, it's, it's no good. I mean, like, it good. sounds sort of cool in the beginning, but it's- Gets old. Yeah, totally. And it's it's uncomfortable. It's ergonomically not smart. It's um, not good from a, from a workplace point of view. Mm-hmm. And if you're an employer, um, employers should be actually providing- that those things to those individuals because, mm. uh, you know, the individual gets a bad back. Next thing you know, you've got a compo claim because that's now their place it's, of work. It's the place of work. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. you actually yeah. have to do the ergonomic smarts. Mm-hmm. You have to be ergonomically smart. Mm. Your people who now work for you, mm. they must be feeling uh, quite chuffed and uh, with themselves, um, but also extremely happy with what they're able to offer to our society. Absolutely. So f- to start with, we were so happy we could get people in uh, that, that otherwise wouldn't have had any work. So with 70 new people, they, they are. They're really feeling like they're doing something and giving something back because we're, we're also from every desk sale donating $10 to Support Act. And so we- What uh, is that? So Support Act's the, uh, the charity that supports the music industry. So the music and events industry, anyone that's out of work, you know, there, there's a, a half a million is the number they, they, I've heard wow. of event workers without work now. And some of these guys live gig to gig and, and, and it's really- a tough time for them mentally and financially and Support Act helps those guys by paying bills or paying their rent or, or just helping them through. Uh, so we, we thought we, we really want to be donating to those guys and, and after four months we donated $50,000 to them and so everyone in, that's working feels like they're doing something for the industry. How aware are your staff and colleagues of this? I mean like it's... Yeah, oh, every, it's, it's a really good place to be. So many bad stories going around. It, it's a really good story and they feel like they're doing good. It's amazing. You're, you're, you're really up. You're an up person. Mm. Were, were you always up during the period or you're up now because you, you've, you've sort of climbed the mountain? I think there was one, one evening where I was quite down. Other than that, it's all been positive and, you know, and trying to see the good in things. Yeah, okay, so what what technique do you employ? I mean, is that a is that a, is is that effortless, or is there effort involved in that for those people out there who are trying to think, well, shit, it's okay for him. Yeah. No, but w- what is your technique? Because I don't want people to think, oh, it's okay for him. He's got this great business now, and like blah blah blah. I mean, there's something in terms of your attitude and and the process that you go through to actually get you to even think clearly about where mm. the demand is and where you can apply your skills to. Yeah. Sh- so what is it? I I've I've always been a big supporter of Jocko Willink. The, yep. the ex-Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. and he's got a video that I watch at least every couple of weeks called Good, and he talks in that video about how uh, when things are going bad, he says, good, What's gonna, what, what, can, what are you going to do about it? It's, it's something good always comes from bad, and I, I really believe that, and I, I, I think that all the time, and I actually said to the guys, okay, we've, we've lost all our work, good, let's think, what are we going to do? Yeah, that was your. That's your inspiration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess you already know you're you're not lucky, but um, you're prepared. Sometimes lucky is just being prepared. You're prepared in that you know people in Europe who you could talk to. You're prepared to talk to people. So it's really mm. important. You've got to be able to say, "Hey, mate, how are you going? What are you doing over there? Are you experiencing exactly. this? Exactly. You've got to go in with a bit of an agenda, uh, not just to, you know." cut a conversation, but it's mm. sort of also about trying to find out what other people are doing. You, you, you're sort of, let's call it the American sort of reaching out. Yeah. No, but reaching out because when you reach out, you're actually grabbing something. Yeah. So just remember when people reach out, they're actually trying to grab something, okay? And we need to reach out and mm. we need to reach out as far and as wide as we possibly can, which means in order to be able to do that in times like this or COVID times, you need to have destinations you can reach out to. So you, And that those things, those things get built pre-COVID. That's right. Yeah. And they're things you do all the time, like mm. you're doing now with um, the, the early learning centres. Mm. I mean, just reaching out to those environments, building up those little relationships. Who knows what's going to come of it, if and when and how much and mm. how many, et cetera, down the track. So for all of us, we've got to take a step back from the business we do today to day and actually think about it's not so much being strategic. You know, that's a little ruthless sound, but uh, it's it's more about just, just throwing our baits here and there and just – just see where they land, see what comes of it. You don't have to do it with just an agenda or just a purpose. You're just doing it and just mm. make it part of your day. Mm. I, I got this thing at the moment. We're talking about uh, convergent thinkers and divergent thinkers. And uh, convergent thinkers, 
people who think the way we've always been taught to think, and that is, you know, you go to school, you line up, you wear a uniform, you go in the class, you spend these, do all your work, and you leave at three o'clock, and you go home, you do your homework, and you eat your dinner, and you watch your television, go to bed. So that's what you do. Convergent thinkers, but it's a way of controlling society. And I don't mean it's a bad thing, but you've got to think structurally and convergently. But what you did is you tested the controller. You said, hang on a minute. I've got these skills. I can do all these thousands of different things. I've got these people I can talk to. I, I can, and, uh, and, and I'm going to test it. Mm. Otherwise, but other than that, you could have sat back and gone, yeah. the world's caving in. I'm moving up to Harvey Bay. Yeah. yeah. Come on, come on, Tabitha, let's go. Yeah. That, that's the only difference. And I, I can't tell you how many people think that way, like mm. not the way you think. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're good people and they're getting crushed. Yeah. We're going to think about something positive. And this is an example because you don't get – Pivots without positive thinking. Absolutely not. You can't find the demand unless you think about, yes, I can do that. Yep. And I'm, I'm so glad you came on. I'm, I'm really glad you came on today and we have an opportunity to talk about you. This is a great pivot. Mm. And I mean, I would say you probably got a better business now than you had before. And by the way, you still got the before business. That's right. Whenever yeah, it comes yeah. back to normal, you, go, you go back and do that. Yep. You've got a new business, which you never, ever thought about. Exactly. Yeah. You would never have had to think about it, but for COVID. We had to think about it. That's so right. COVID is great. For you, yeah. As long as you I don't, don't catch I don't it, like but it's to great. say it out loud. But yeah, COVID's but, uh, been great for us. Yeah. But you, and and now look at you. So you're you're beaming. You're happy. Yeah. You're giving me. I mean, it's it's we're doing this particular podcast late in the afternoon. Normally, do in the morning. But like you've given me energy. You give me thought. You've actually given me inspiration. You've clarified. Hopefully, everybody who's listening to this gets some clarification about a real life example of someone who's actually pivoted. Mm. You've taken your humble business timber scaffolding, stage building business and turned it into a furniture business. Yeah, yeah. But it's a great business. It's a great business. It's a great place to be. It it really is. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people have asked how to do it. What do do you do? And the big thing for me is if you've got an idea, go for it. Start. We we didn't do everything right. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. We didn't do everything right from the start either. We've learned a lot in the last five months. You know, we've changed our our e-commerce platform three times. We've changed our dispatch system three times. And, and each one of those we've got better and better and better and, and I th- it's all about looking for those efficiencies along the way and, and we've learned as we've gone. But if we didn't start, we'd be nowhere. Yeah, that, and I think that's – some people just sit down there and try and plan forever and uh, they end up mm. getting it done. Because, no. And by the time they get done, the, the whole thing's over and we're back to running your staging business. By the time someone has gone and taken your – If, if you still lunch, business, yeah. They're going well, – or you can't get the people. Yeah. Because yeah. someone else get, kicks off earlier than you. Mm. And, and it's, it's about ripping in. Yeah. We're going to get out, run out of time. We have run out of time. I'm going to ask you, do you have any questions for me? I did have a question for you, Mark. Yep. We're getting a lot of uh, support. Uh, our reach is getting further and further. Part of that reach has now become, a big part of that has being, become international reach. And we've got people reaching out to us and saying, you know, would you be interested in manufacturing in other countries? Now, I want to manufacture for us here, here. But I want to ask you about, Contract manufacturing for international. Should we be looking at export yet? You mean you mean manufacturing here and exporting, or you mean manufacturing overseas or licensing someone to a land manufacturer overseas? Well, there, there are two options we're looking at. There's yeah. two options we're considering. So we're, we're now shipping to New Zealand and Singapore, free trade countries from here. Yep. No, no problem. It's the other countries that then become a problem. Yeah, like the US. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, we're, and we get a huge call from the US. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, my gut feeling is, I mean, I, and I don't know anything about your particular ministry, like I'm not a manufacturer, but my my sense tells me that you've only been at this a little short period of time. Mm. So I, I'm a big believer of getting one place right. Yeah. And and actually, if, if there's $110 profit, but you're only getting, say, $80 profit because of inefficiencies. Work on that. Work on the other 30 bucks efficiencies to get to the 110 first. Mm. But at the same time, I would never want to lose an opportunity. So, mm. And the opportunity might not exist there forever. So I would certainly consider things like licensing because, mm. I mean, it, it would seem to me that your product, with a gross respect, is simple. It is, yeah. Um, as long as you give them the specifications, mm-hmm. you tell them what timber to use, you know, what the architecture's like and, uh, you know, you know what equipment they need and how many people they need for the equipment. Mm. So I'm wondering whether an, um, a mineral license agreement would be something to kick off and maybe given license agreements can be tricky, maybe you pick a territory where it's not going to get out of control mm. and then, then build a licensing business after that. And maybe, and if you do it like, a, you know, I don't know how long a license agreement needs to last, but if it's a five-year license agreement and then mm. in five years' time you want to take over, you could. 
or your yeah. joint venture with them. Or you say to them, I'll do a license agreement with you now, but I'll be in it for uh, 20%, you're in it for 80%, the, mm. the other party in America. And that way you build a partnership up, like it's just mm. like a, a, a partnership deal. And you can have buyout provisions so that you can actually buy them out down the track if you want to buy them out or they could buy you out, but you get a little, a little bit of a free carry mm. instead of the fee. Yeah. Because if it's not, if it's just licensing, it shouldn't really cost you anything. Yeah, that's right. You're, yeah. you're not working yeah. on it. They work on it. But if you, so in those cases, I wouldn't be looking necessarily for just a royalty. Mm. I may be looking for um, a free carry. Mm. 2080 mm. deal. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe those. Could be an option. I, I, you don't want to have something where you've got to spend all your day, you and Tabitha no. and all your Mick and everybody, having to all of a sudden uh, replicate them. Because the hardest thing about going to different territories, like physically, in business is replicating what you got here. It's mm. that that's the hard bit. Mm. And it's replicating the people. And I mean, I I had a business here in Australia. We were manufacturing, we're manufacturing in China, but for the Australian and New Zealand market and Singapore market, and we could deal with that no problem mm. um, with our Australian people. But as soon as we got into America, and which is our biggest market, um, and we're getting some massive opportunities and orders, ma- like massive relative to what we're getting here in Australia. We had to build a team in the US, and it was really difficult. Mm. We weren't in the US. We couldn't go to the US, and but you need to manage these people. Yeah. So it, what ended up happening was licensing agreement ended up becoming the better way of doing it, or distribution agreements where people actually manufactured everything in America and responsible for the whole thing from A to Z. Yeah. We found that was far better. It's hard employing people, particularly in the US, it's hard employing the right people. They're different to us. Mm-hmm. You might think they're the same, but they're different. You know everyone here. Yeah. There you don't. No, absolutely. You might be all right in Europe because you've got mates there, but in in America, it's hard because mm. um, you won't find the equivalent of whoever it is that's you know, vital to you here. Mm. You don't know where no, you, and And you don't have six months to experiment with anyone. Because mm. you your your consumer mm. demand for you for your product is going to hit the ground day one, so I, I would consider. I definitely would make sure I got everything out of what I got here first. We'll push it here, yeah, yeah and yeah. and and maybe New Zealand because that's close by, mm. and then over time maybe work out how you can make some money over there and get. A, I would try. I'd always try and get a free carry. Let someone else do all the heavy lifting for you. Yeah, and if it falls over, it's sort of their problem, you know, not yours. And then yeah. you can you can come back in and do it. And if you buy, if you build your agreement such that if something goes wrong, you can buy them out. Mm. Well, then at least you can buy out whatever it is they have established mm. and kick it off again. And by then you might have much more time. You might want to move over. I got a, I got a view. If you can't be somewhere within an hour, don't own that business. Yeah. So like in Australia, pretty much everything on the East Coast, I've got business all I'm down the East Coast. I can get there. I used to be able to get there an hour. But if you've got to go uh, 14 hours to fly to LA, yeah. you're not thinking, you don't know the culture. So yeah. either partners or licensing agreements where you've got a share of the upside. Great. I mean, Great. This is fantastic. I, I really enjoy what, you, what you've what you told me about today. It's uh, made my week. Um, and Australians are uh, never one for thinking about what can I do. We always come up with some sort of invention. We're great at it, and you're a great example of it. So uh, good on the show and good on you and good on Tabitha. And well done. Um, I love the name. ISO, I love that name. <laughs> ISO, ISO. ISO King. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me.